Father, uh, we do thank you once again for the opportunity where we can gather together and, and Lord, that uh, uh, we can study and we can, most importantly, grow in the grace and the knowledge of who you are so we can grow more in love with you. And I pray, Lord, as we look at Paul getting really personal here with, with this group of believers and, and just really pouring out how he feels about them and, Lord, his heart and his care for them, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. And, and once again, as we read your word, that it's not just a letter to them, but it's a letter to us. And it's not just Paul's heart, but it's your heart toward us. And so, Lord, I know we're coming from a lot of different places. Some of us are really excited about life right now. Some of us, were having a difficult time and, and struggles. And I know that your word can meet everyone right where they're at. So, God, have your way in our lives tonight and be glorified in this time. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we continue here in Colossians, uh, you know, once again, I want to remind us, Paul's in prison as he's writing this. I think it's important to kind of keep that in mind, understanding that, you know, he's not just writing it from a nice, cushy place. He's in prison. More than likely, I think Paul even is aware he's probably not going to live much longer. He's going to be executed. And when you think of all of that and the things that he writes, it blows my mind of how he's so concerned about others rather than himself. I don't know about you guys, but I'm always on my mind, you know? And I kinda am that way, and I'm, I'm that guy. But Paul here, man, is reaching out to this church and trying to build them up and, and get them into place uh, where they can face what they need to face. So as we think about that, you, in this section you come across, Paul had a passion for Jesus. And would to God that we would all have that passion for Jesus. I remember reading years ago, George Whitfield was, a, he's an old dead guy. He's an old, old, old dead guy. And a great evangelist of his day. He hung out with the Wesley brothers and, and all of those guys were like doing ministry. And Whitfield was getting ready to do a, a, a message and a humanist, I, Interestingly enough, his name was David Hume, but he's coming and he's going to hear Whitfield and someone said, but you totally disagree with him and you don't believe anything he says. Why are you going? And here's what he said. I don't believe a word he's saying, but he believes everything he's saying. Would to God that we would be that way, that we would have that kind of testimony. So that's Paul, listen, and as Paul reaches out to this church, he demonstrates his love for them by the thing that Paul does. What does Paul do? He teaches. Paul's a teacher, right? Yeah, he's an apostle, and he's gonna express love, but, and we'll get into it in a minute, but he never met these guys. He never knew these guys, but he's gonna exercise the gift that God has given him in order for the body to be built up and strengthened. And I, I pray that we would get that understanding in our hearts for ourselves and where God has placed us in the body. In Ephesians, Paul wrote in Ephesians that God himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for edifying of the body of Christ. That's why we do what we do. Listen, we don't just come together because we're religious people and, and this is what Christians do on Thursday night or Wednesday night or whatever. whatever. Listen, we come to be equipped and for the body of Christ 
to be strengthened and edified. So Paul, listen, that's what Paul's doing here. Now, here's the thing, kind of between chapter one and chapter two, it's kind of a bad, bad break, right? Because usually don't we read a chapter and then we stop? So I wanna go back up, even all the way up to verse 28 of chapter one. And Paul says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. For I want you to know what a great conflict or struggle I have for you and those in Laodicea and for many who have not seen my face in the flesh. Now listen, as, as we kind of tie it into that, we sort of get a better understanding. Listen, Paul is struggling for them. The word there is the word we get agonizing from. And man, listen, man, he's passionate. And here's the thing, he's never even met them. He's never even seen them. He's never been to Colossae, and the only information he has about Colossae is we're gonna find out when we get towards the end of the letter is what he receives and what he hears from Epaphras, who is the, I think, the pastor there, who comes and reports to Paul, but I, I want us to understand something. We can love people without ever meeting them. We can be involved in people's lives without necessarily having to come together, but there has to be this unity thing we have. And that unity is Jesus Christ. And now listen, I'm not saying that we need to love from a distance, but Paul is doing that and he says, listen man, he says, you know this struggle, this conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, for as many have had not seen my face in the flesh. I'm praying, I'm reaching out, and I'm doing what I do best. What does Paul do best? Teach. How is he teaching them? Sends them a letter. He writes it down and he starts pouring into them by what he does. And here's my question. Are you allowing God to use you the way he's gifted you to minister to the body of Christ and make sure the body of Christ is, is edified? I almost said identified, but edified. Are you being used by him or are you just kind of doing this thing called Christianity? Just showing up, just listening and not participating and not being. Every one of us here who are born again are important to the functioning of the body of Christ. And we're gonna get a little bit more into that, but listen man, Paul is using the giftedness he has. My giftedness, the way I pour into the body is exactly what I'm doing right now, by teaching. God has gifted me and it is with the gift of teaching. I know that because I tried to teach before I got saved, not so good. So listen, I know, I know that God is using me and I know he's using that giftedness, but I wanna pour myself into it. And I know sometimes people say, how come we can't have an appointment with you uh, when we you know, wanna meet with you? You know why? Because I'm busy preparing to do what God has given me to do. That's how I love the body. That's how I pour into the body. And you need to find that giftedness you have and use it to the nth degree and, and bless the people that God has put you in contact with. So Paul says, man, listen, I struggle. I get the idea, man. This guy is like, like you know, right? I struggle, and then he says, listen, he says, for as many, he says, I struggle for those of you 
you uh, and those in Laodicea, I'm gonna skip that other part. He says, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all riches of the fullness of assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now listen, he says, I struggle and I I push forward to get four things into you. And he names those four things. And I think, listen, I think it's important. First of all, he says, I do what I do, so what? So that your hearts may be encouraged. Now when he's talking about hearts, obviously he's not talking about this thing that pumps blood, right? He's talking about the seed of our emotions and, and, and where we are. But here's what I know, my heart can only do what my mind knows. And I've gotta get, I've gotta get involved with Jesus, I gotta get, get that knowledge of him and, be, and get in that relationship with him. Listen, it's not just about knowing things about God, it's about knowing him. And so Paul says, listen man, I want your hearts to be encouraged. I'm gonna pour into you, I struggle for you, that your hearts may be encouraged. And then he says this, and here's the important thing, being knit together in love. I do not believe you can be a healthy, strong believer in Jesus Christ in isolation. And I think that's something wrong with going on in our world right now, just, just physically just talking about things, but more so the body of Christ. You cannot be strong. Nothing disturbs me more than when people say, well, you know, I just worship God my way and you worship God your way and I go up on a mountain and sit under a tree and I don't know what you do. We need each other. We're the body. And to function, we need each other. And Paul says, knit your hearts together. He wants our hearts to be encouraged, and he wants us to be knit together in love. Now, how can you love people you don't know? Through Jesus Christ. What I love about being part of the church, and not just this church, but the church, is you can go anywhere in the world and you can connect with a body of believers and you have that instant kind of love, not a mushy-gushy, you know, romantic thing, but you have that love, why? Because you have that one thing in common, Jesus Christ. And you have that thing, and, and you know, that's something I've been privileged to travel all over. I go to places, and I've never even met people before. And all of a sudden, there's that instantaneous brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever you want to call it, kind of thing going on. And you have that, why? Because our hearts are knit together in love because of what Jesus Christ has done. Now listen, he goes a little bit further because I think all of this kind of, you gotta, you gotta build all of this together. And he says, and then attaining to all the riches of full assurance of understanding. So he says, listen, I want you to be encouraged, right? Your heart's encouraged. I want you to be knit together in love. And then I want you to have an understanding, the riches of understanding. And we're gonna get into that in a middle minute. But listen, are you getting the idea that this thing called Christianity is about our entire being? 
Listen, it's not just one part of us. You can't just be intellectual and be born again. But also, you can't just be emotional and be born again. We have to bring it all together, and it's all got to come together. Our love has to come from a knowledge of who we are and an understanding of who we are. And then he says, listen, that riches of understanding, he says, to the knowledge, now we get to this, to the knowledge of the mystery of God. So, have you... Have you noticed Paul here, especially in Colossians? This is the third time he's brought up mystery. Hmm. Why does he keep bringing up mystery? Because the false teachers who are invading this place, who are the forerunners of what eventually became Gnosticism, and remember we talked about that when we opened this up, the Gnostics are people who believe they have a higher knowledge and they have that secret knowledge, and you know, if you gain this secret knowledge, you too can be like me and have this you know, understanding, right? Now Paul's bringing up understanding and bringing up mystery again. This is the third time. In chapter one, he brought it up twice, and he says, listen, but here's what he says, the mystery of God, what is the mystery of God? Well, I think he tells us right after that, both the Father and of Christ. You see, the mystery of God is the fact that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came and invaded our world. That should blow our minds. Now listen, I know some of us walk with the Lord for a long time, and some of us have been around a long time, but I never get tired of sitting and thinking about, my God invaded my world. And he put on flesh. And he put on that flesh so I could understand God. So that I could have that greater knowledge of who he is. And he says, here's the mystery. The mystery is, is of God the Father, of the Father, and of Christ. You can't have a Jesus who's not the Jesus of the Bible. Every cult if you look at them closely, they pick on one of two things or two things. They'll pick on the person of Jesus Christ and his deity, or they pick on the work he's done and, and uh, the finished work on the cross. Sometimes they pick on both. Sometimes they only pick on one of those, but that's what they come against, and that's the, the, the mystery I think that all of us are facing, this whole mysterious thing. How did God become flesh? I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. By faith, there's things I have to believe. And why do I believe them? Because I'm, I'm gullible? No, I believe them because they're in the word of God. And it's expressly written in the word of God that my God became flesh and dwelt among us. And he went to the cross. So listen, there's things, and, and, and listen, it's not a mystery that you have to solve. It's a mystery that's been revealed by God. Isn't it kind of amazing how you can go through life? I think I went through 31 years of not believing, not understanding, and in a moment, in an instant of time, I believed. What changed? I always, I, I like to stop and think about what changed? Nothing changed in my intellect was my heart was changed. And now I became aware that this one died for my sin. And Paul says, listen, he says, I want you to do that. And then now check this out. He says, so he's given us the four things, right? Encouragement. He's told us that we need to be knit together in love, attaining all riches of assurance, having the knowledge of the mystery, 
of God the Father and or of both of God, both the Father and the Son, and in whom, verse three, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow. Do you know where all the wisdom and knowledge is that we need? Is in Christ. And we gotta get a hold of that. Listen, I think we gotta understand that. All of it is hid, there's a treasure. I believe, listen, some people say when we get to heaven we'll know him and completely, I don't think we'll ever know God completely. I think we're gonna go on for billions and billions and billions of years trying to understand our God. And listen, in him are hidden all the treasures. People look all over. Now, once again, Paul's writing to a group of people who have been duped some by the Gnostics or, or the precursors of Gnostics. That Gnosticism hadn't fully developed. But listen, they're telling him they have these secret things. You have this secret knowledge. You've got to find these things out. Do you understand why he worded the things the way he worded them? To let them understand. Listen, in Jesus... Jesus is where you look. You don't need a special book. You don't need a special thing. You need Jesus, and in him are hidden all wisdom and knowledge. Now, listen, I know some people are good saying, well, what about, you know, some of you, I'm looking at like Jesse, the engineer guy, and he's going, really? I'm gonna learn engineering from Jesus? And, and he didn't say that to me, but I could tell he was, he was like communicating that to me. Because <laughs> you're right there. So listen, I know sometimes people go there, though. Some people go there, and that's not what he's, he's not talking about that. He's saying everything we need for life and godliness is found in Jesus Christ. And we need to know that, and we need to, listen, we need to be those people. So do you believe today that all in whom hidden are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? If that's your God, you're gonna go far. If that's not your God, not so much. Now, listen, Paul then says this. Now, this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. What's going on? They're coming in and they're going, oh, if you really want to know. Have you ever had anybody do that to you? Well, if you really want to know God, you need fill in the blank. I've had it happen to me in my Christian life. And they come in and they act like they have some secret thing. If you could just get a hold of that secret thing, you too could be like God. And you could have that wisdom and that knowledge. And it's funny how they all have that secret thing that makes you be like God. And God says, if you have that secret thing, you can be more of you, of who you are. Not that you can become God. And Paul says, don't let people, and man, people can come in and they can have the best words, right? And they can be persuasive. We live in a time where, man, things are communicated in ways that sometimes boggle my mind. And people can be persuasive. People can sound so good and so right, and you kind of get sucked in, and then they drop a bomb on you. And Paul says, don't be deceived. Now, how can I not be deceived I think I gotta go back to these four things. I need to understand that, hey, in the word and having a relationship, my heart can be encouraged. I'm knit together in love. I'm attaining to riches of full assurance. I'm somebody who I have the knowledge of the mystery of God and who he is. And then, listen, I understand that Jesus is everything that I need for salvation and for life. And people come in and they can say all they want 
And we can reject that. And Paul says, listen, they're gonna come in with those persuasive words. And in verse five, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. Here's what Paul says. I don't have to be there. And I think we should feel that way about each other. I think we should assemble when we get the opportunity. But we can still love each other when we're not together. And Paul says, listen, I'm not there, but I still love you guys. I still care about you guys. I've never even met you, but I care about you. I'm writing this letter. And he says, listen, man, if I'm absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So Paul is saying, listen, man, I am watching you guys, and here's what I know. You're in a good place. He's using kind of military terms, right? You're in good order. You're steadfast. You're strong. Now, where did Paul come up with that? Because this guy named Epaphras, came and told Paul what was going on in Colossae. So he's excited about what's going on. He's stoked about what's happening there. And he says, man, listen, I don't have to be there to know that's going on. I understand that's going on. And you need to guard and you need to protect what God has given you. Now he's gonna get into, to me, the crux of what you and I need to understand. Listen to what he says here in verses six and seven. And you, therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, or as you therefore have received Christ Jesus as, as Lord, so walk in him. One of the biggest problems I see in the church is people think they go beyond Jesus. You hear what he says? He says, listen, he says, as you therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember how you felt and what happened? And here's what he's saying. You need, to, you need to walk in that same humility and be that humble person and understand that, again, Jesus is all you need. I, I, I love when, uh, I think it's Don Stewart said it, when Jesus is all you have, then you realize Jesus is all you need. And some of us, it's sad. We shouldn't have to get to that state, right? And he says, listen, just as you learned, just as you gave your heart to Jesus, you need to walk in that. It bothers me when people say, well, you know, we need to go beyond Jesus. Saints, there's nothing beyond the cross. Amen. Nothing. And that doesn't mean we're not gonna grow and we're not gonna expand and we're not gonna change. What it means is we never leave the cross. The cross is a very footing of everything that we do. And, and so Paul here is, is sure to point that out. I've had people tell me, how come you don't go past the cross? Because there's nothing past the cross. Amen. We need to be people who, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong, I think, of being as a little child and coming to Jesus that way. When we start acting all like we got it all together, here's the thing. I don't think I have a, I don't, I don't think I'm a real intelligent person, intellectually speaking, you know. I, I, I just don't think I'm up there. I think I'm kind of down here. I'm from Bisbee, come on. We're like down here. But here's what I know. I can have a relationship with Jesus. If we make it very intellectual, what happens? You can cut a lot of people out, right? Only the intellectual get to know him. Or how about this one? If we make it a real emotional thing, some of us, we have the emotions of a kumquat. 
And so if we make it real emotional thing, then somebody goes, well, I don't have that kind of emotion or passion, and I can't know Jesus. Are you, are you tracking with me? Here's what Paul says, man. You don't go past that. You don't need these certain things. You don't need these certain aspects. You stick with the cross, and you stick with the basics, and you're gonna have a great relationship. And when you understand, man, I just need to grow in the understanding of who he is. And I love the idea, listen again, you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. Notice he uses the three titles, if you will, right? Christ the Messiah, Jesus the person, and Lord the office. And I know sometimes some people get real uptight. Now, are you gonna talk about lordship, salvation? Yeah, kind of, because the Bible talks about it. Listen, if we call him Lord, that doesn't, that's just not a title. That means something, right? It always cracks me up when Peter, remember when Peter talks to Jesus and, and Jesus, he's gonna wash his feet and Jesus says, no, Lord. I'm thinking, Pete, those are two words that don't go together, right? You don't say no master, right? And yet sometimes we do that. But listen, man, I believe we need to have, and, and we will grow in the understanding. I'm not saying everybody has a complete understanding, of what it means for Jesus to be Lord. But as we grow in that understanding, we need to have that submissive heart. As I begin to understand more about God, I need to submit more to him. And so he says, listen, Christ Jesus the Lord, and then he says, as you received, so walk in him. So you received him, and what does walking mean? Growing, right? You grow and you, and you begin this journey with Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm surely not where I was when I received Jesus. And I don't even think I, I'm at where I was last year. I don't think I'm at where I was in January. We should be growing, right? We're walking with him. We're on a journey with him. And then he says this, listen, so as we walk with him, and then he uses, some people say they're mixed metaphors. I don't think so. He says rooted and built up in him. So rooted and built up. Kind of a couple different terms, right? Rooted for a tree, like most of us understand here lately, especially, if a tree doesn't have good roots, what happens? It gets blown over, right? So you gotta get rooted, you gotta have that deep root, and then built up is also, you gotta be built strong and, and, and built up. So listen, he uses a couple terms, but here's what I find fascinating, and this is where some grammatical study comes in. Both of those are used in a passive form. In other words, you don't root yourself and you don't build yourself up. Or we're gonna read in a minute, establish yourself. Who roots you? That sounds kind of weird, huh? I know that's not good grammar, but who roots you? Jesus. Who builds you up? Jesus. Who establishes you? Jesus. Listen, it's as we yield ourselves to him, you get that strong root as you begin to develop and, and just sit at his feet, if you will. And the way I do that is in his word, I get rooted. I get a strong, strong, firm root going. Or we might even say foundation. Then as I hang with him, I start getting built up. I start having an understanding of who he is. And he builds me up. And then, listen, and then I get established in the faith. I believe, listen, I believe you're here on Thursday night because you want to be established in the faith. Because you want to be in that place where, yes, yes, I'm strong. I don't have to worry about the winds when they come because here's what I know, winds are gonna come. Hard times are gonna come. Difficulties are gonna come in your life. 
You're gonna face things that you're never even sitting here tonight. You never even thought you were gonna face. You're gonna face those things. And you're either gonna face them with Christ or on your own. I need Jesus. Once again, I'm not the most bright person in the world. I'm not the strongest person in the world. Emotionally, I can become a wreck. But I need Jesus. And when I face those things, so he says, listen, not only are you are you that person where, you know, he's doing the four things now. Listen, now I'm, I'm rooted in him. I'm established in him. I'm built up in him, in the faith. And then he says, listen, as you have been taught. Oh. Oh. How does that stuff happen to us? We get taught. Coffee. Wow, that's going on a lot. We have to do that announcement again. Please silence your cell phones as we get ready to take off. So listen, <laughs> sorry. Sorry if I embarrassed whoever it was. But you owe everybody in your row coffee, whoever that was. So just in case you didn't know our rule. Our rule is if your phone goes off, you owe everybody in your row coffee. So just, and you know, whenever I announce that, people do this. So don't do that right now. So listen, he says, he says that you're establishing the faith. Have you been taught? Who taught them? Paul didn't teach them. Paul never was there. Who taught them? Epaphras. But you know what that tells me? We all need teachers. We have that gift, as I read in the beginning. God gifted the body of Christ with pastors and teachers so that we can be edified, so that we can do the ministry that we're called to do. And we need to be people, listen, we need to be people who we hang on to what we've been taught. And teaching is an important, you know, being taught is an important aspect of our growing in Christ, but it's not the end all. Listen, I don't think, it always bothers me sometimes when, when, when people just, they take copious notes, but they never do anything. This is not just to gain knowledge, it's not just to fill up a notebook. It's not just to have some kind of intellectual advantage over other people. Why are we taught? So that we will be rooted and built up and established in the faith so that we can go forward so our hearts will be encouraged. Now we're back to that, right? So we'll be knit together in love so that we can have an understanding of the riches that we have so we can know the mystery of God. Listen, you can take all of this backwards, but that's what's going on. And Paul says, listen, man, that's what's happening with you guys, and I love it. And then he says, listen, and then he says, so that you can be taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. Ah. Oh. How much time do you spend thanking God for what he's done in your life? You sit at his feet and are, I, I'm, I wake up in the morning pretty amazed. One, I wake up that I'm amazed I'm still here. Right? I expect God to come. I think, he, I think he's coming tonight. Some of you want him to come just to get out of that bill you owe. I hear those loud, amen. <laughs> but do you wake up, number one, amazed that you have a relationship with the king of the universe? With the one who put everything together? The one who sustains everything? The one who holds it together? We have a relationship with him. And it's because he came and invaded our world and then listen 
invaded our world, but not just that. Then he came and invaded our personal lives. He opened us up to know him. I know, listen, I know. I wasn't seeking after God. As a matter of fact, when I got saved, I was kind of pushing him away, and I was at a place where I don't know that I want to get that close. I don't know that I want that to happen. Things were going on around me. Other people in, 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 in our area there and in, in, in our circle of friends, people are getting saved. People are getting born again. I'm thinking they're a little kooky and crazy, and I'm not sure I want to have a lot to do with them, and I was pretty sure I didn't want to have a lot to do with Jesus. And here he comes, like, getting right in my life. Because that's the God we have. And he says, listen, man. He says, you need to abound with thanksgiving. Why aren't Christians more thankful? Why are we as Christians, you know, and, and sometimes in, in this era where we're at and this time where we're at, we're a bunch of grumpy people sometimes. Quit being so grumpy. What are you grumping about? You need to be thankful, right? You need to be abounding in thanksgiving. Listen, and people go, but it's tough right now. Do you know what it was like under Nero? This is a cakewalk as Christians living in a world compared to what they were living in. And Paul says, man, you need to be abounding in thanksgiving. We need to be some people, thanksgiving is coming up, kind of a good message for that. But listen, it's not just that day. We need to be people, we're thankful as we walk through life. We're thankful that we can know God. We're thankful for, for what he's given us and not be such grumps. I don't think our grumpiness saves anybody. As a matter of fact, I think we push people away. And we need to be different. And we need to be not, hey, I'm not, I'm not, you know, naive to what's going on in the world and what I see happening and things that bother me. But I want to have, listen, I want to have a thankful spirit. And I want to be somebody that the world looks at and goes, man, there's something wrong with you. And I can tell them it's Jesus. Right? Paul's writing to some people that have opened the door of their hearts to Jesus Christ. And listen carefully. It has changed their lives. Saints, we don't add Jesus to our life. We bring Jesus into our lives to change us. And would to God that we would not be the same people next year as we are this year. We need to grow and change. So Paul, listen, Paul writing this, getting really personal, letting them know. And here's the bottom line. All you need is Jesus. Not in a naive way, but in a real way. Don't let people come in and try and sell you a bill of goods. Don't let people come in and try and tell you, no, you've got Jesus, but here's what you need. To have a full, productive life, you need Jesus. And you need to understand him. And then you need to walk in that understanding and be a person who you grow and go on that journey with him. Hallelujah, huh? Let's stand up and pray. Father, as we look at this section again, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, for what you've shown us. And God, I thank you for the challenge from Paul that we wouldn't be people who we just kind of, we just kind of get saved and we just go through life, quote, as a Christian. But I pray that we would change lives as Christians. 
Make us the light, God, that you desire for us to be. Take our hearts, Lord, even as we read in this beginning, as he said, man, I struggle for you, I strive, I, I strain that you guys might grow and that you might be men and women who are encouraged in your heart and you're, you're built up, you're knit together as a body uh, and, and you're knit together in love and you have that assurance of understanding. And God, most of all, that we would understand the mystery of, of uh, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in this thing we call salvation. And that that would change our lives. And Lord, that you would be honored and glorified by what we do, by what we say, by the actions that we take. And help us to be, just like Paul writing this letter from a horrible, horrible circumstance and yet reaching out to that group of people. Let us be a people who reach out even if we're not feeling the greatest, even if we're going through tough times. Let us reach out to those who God who don't know you. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here tonight and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you've never asked him to forgive your sins, tonight is the night to do it. Right now is the time to do it. You're not here by mistake. Listen, man, you came here at the perfect time because today is a day of salvation. So if you wanna take that step and, and, and begin that relationship with him, it's pretty simple. I think it's pretty simple, but I think it's difficult for us to come to the place where we're gonna admit to God we're a sinner. I believe most of us know we're sinners, but we don't wanna admit we're sinners. But the first step in salvation is knowing and understanding and admitting that you're a sinner. You gotta let God know that you know tonight. Then you gotta be sorry for your sin and then you have to ask him to forgive your sin. Listen, if I'm talking to you, you gotta go through those steps. That's kind of the hard stuff. Here's the good news. If you do that, Jesus Christ will forgive your sin. How do I know? The Bible tells me he died on the cross for you. He took your sin upon himself. So if you want that relationship, if you want your sins to be forgiven, to be wiped out, I'm gonna say a prayer, and you can say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently. But the important thing is, you gotta be sincere. It's gotta come from your heart. And if you're watching online tonight, you can say the prayer right where you're at. You don't have to be in here. If you're backslidden, maybe you're backslidden and you just slipped into church tonight, thought, man, I'm gonna slip in and slip out and kind of check things out, and God nailed you tonight, man, and grabbed a hold of your heart. Say this prayer with us and God will welcome you home. Jesus, tonight, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you tonight for dying for my sins. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. 
tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.